Sisters in the Shadows is in aid of Nordif Robbins. Nordif Robbins is the largest independent music therapy charity in the UK, dedicated to enriching the lives of people affected by life-limiting illnesses, isolation or disability. Their music therapists are expertly trained to tune into each movement, reaction and expression of the individuals they work with to discover how music can enrich their lives. They are absolutely brilliant. But they receive no government funding and so rely on the generosity of their supporters. Charities like Nordif Robbins are really struggling these days and need your help more than ever. As a musician and a music lover, I know firsthand of the healing powers of music. It can lift your spirits, unite people and touch your heart in ways nothing else can. And the amazing therapists at Nordif Robbins use that power to help some of the most vulnerable people in society. If you love music and care about people, and I know you do, I ask you as a proud ambassador of Nordif Robbins Music Therapy Charity to help support their important work today. Just go to nordof-robbins.org.uk to find out more. That's nordof-robbins.org.uk. Welcome back to Sisters in the Shadows, Women in Blues and Jazz. I'm Claire Cooper, good to be with you again. How are you all? Missed you. In this series, I'm looking at the amazing impact and influence women have had, and still have, on the development of blues and jazz. Today's show is dedicated to the formidable Betty Carter. In the still of a night, as I gaze through my window, at the moon in its flight. Now, Betty was born Lily May Jones in Flint, Michigan on May 16th, 1930. She grew up in Detroit where her father was a church musical director and started studying piano at the Detroit Conservatory of Music as a child. In high school, she got hooked on bebop and when she was only 16, sat in with Charlie Parker at his gig in Detroit. Soon after, she won a talent contest and became a regular singer and pianist on the local circuit, playing with the likes of Dizzy Gillespie and Sarah Vaughan. In 1948, Lionel Hampton hired her as a singer and gave her the stage name Lorraine Carter. Her imaginative improvisational skills quickly earned her the nickname Betty Bebop. She got used to it and started billing herself as Betty Carter. By 1951, she had from Hampton and moved to New York and started working with Miles Davis. She began recording and found moderate success, 
but really broke through when she teamed up with Ray Charles in 1961 for their legendary debut album, Ray Charles and Betty Carter. I really can't stay. Betty, it's cool outside. After a brief retirement to the 1960s, Betty returned and formed her own label, Bet Carr, releasing her own music for the next two decades, including the much lauded at the Village Vanguard. When Polygramming revived the Verve label to sign underappreciated veterans like Nina Simone and Abby Lincoln in the 1980s, they gave Betty her first major label record deal in 20 years, ushering her in a new stage in her career. Now Betty continued to record and perform to critical acclaim and in her later years mentored new talent through her Jazz Ahead program and became an outspoken critic of watered down contemporary jazz. Now Betty was arguably the most adventurous jazz singer of all time and earned Grammy Awards and a National Medal of Arts from President Bill Clinton in 1997, a year before she succumbed to pancreatic cancer at the age of 69. And the rest is history. Now today, I'm talking to the absolutely incredible Georgie Mancho. I spoke to her recently about her vocals, a beautiful velvety, silky vocals and awards and started by marvelling at her multilinguist skills. Oh no, don't be too impressed. Um, I speak Italian fluently-ish yeah. <laughs> on a good day. I'm trying to reconnect with my GCSE French and nice. good. <laughs> and I've been trying for many years to, to get to grips with Portuguese because I sing quite a lot in Brazilian Portuguese. It's amazing that and, you do that. So I blag everything else. So I'm, I'm, I'd love to spend a year just doing yeah. nothing but language learning. But you know, you know what? <laughs> Not very practical. It's, it's super impressive. And do you speak in your home language? You've got to sort of speak, sing in your home language. You must do. You must sing in Italian. I do. I do sing in Italian, but not probably the least of all the languages funnily enough I think it's just the repertoire isn't something I'm so familiar with and so it's just been left sort of to the to the last really oh I, I would <laughs> love love to hear you sing in Italian it's one of my favorite languages I love it I can't it speak any. it so is let's start from the beginning so so you know that you are quite a phenomenon aren't you I mean who was the first female artist in jazz and blues you heard perform you know, either vocal, instrumental, you know, or both. And what song? Well, this was tough because I was thinking back to the first jazz records I listened to which yeah, was when, when yeah. I was a kid. And it was um, a box set. It was a collection. So I was yeah. looking through it just now because I've still got them and thinking, which song was it that really struck a chord? Because when I was listening, I had no clue who 
I didn't have any reference points, so I didn't know who was who, and yeah. you know, I didn't know who if whether I should be, you know, knowing more about this artist. It, I just took them all at face value, and I think the song that stuck out was a beautiful standard called "This Is Always." Um, and the funny thing is, it, it the version I first heard was by Betty Carter, who's yeah. such an iconic jazz singer, and I had no idea who she was at the time because I was. 10 or 11 or something yeah. but years later when I um sort of started thinking about getting into you know going professional um and I was working I was just waitressing at Ronnie Scott's she was one of wow. the first people that I saw there performing wow. Wow. yeah and uh, it took me ages to make that connection back to my sort of childhood listening and she struck me not just um for her vocal uh, capacity and her, and her improvisational, um, you know, enormous improvisational creativity, but but also for her stage presence was yeah. just so striking and yeah. her total command of the stage. Yeah. Um, and then I sort of, you know, in, in later in life, I found out more about her and, and realised that she was a very uncompromising artist, I think, in many ways and quite groundbreaking and probably then had a much tougher time of it than, yeah. than we would now, you know, and obviously she's also African-American. So yeah. I can imagine, uh, you know, an uncompromising black woman having not the easiest ride back in the 40s and 50s and 60s Absolutely. and so on. Um, and she also became a, an educator, you know, very renowned educator and, um you know, went lots of people went through the tradition of the Betty Carter school, and you know, so she's she had she had a huge influence not just on vocalists but but instrumentalists, and um, I, I just found it amazing that it, it links back to to one of the very first people I listened to. That's 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 a sign, basically. Yes, that was, <laughs> that was meant yeah. to happen. And so you'd say, you know, you'd safely say she really influenced you to perform the genre today. Yes, but probably um, there were people I listened to before her, and I would say they were they were probably more accessible in terms of someone coming into um, to jazz singing. You know, like me, who didn't have a, a, a background of it, didn't have something to sort of latch on to. So I was probably first drawn to more story, more clearly taught storytelling. Um, uh, vocalists like Nancy Wilson mm. um, or later Irene Kral um, and then certainly in terms of um, getting into sort of improvising um, I would say Anita O'Day was one yeah. of the very first people I really I really just latched on to and then um, somebody recommended I listen to Norma Winston uh, you yeah. know, UK vocalist and that she also kind of gave me a very different side of you know of what sound what a jazz singer can sound like it, it, because she's obviously British and she has a British accent um so it was just hearing somebody who maybe was closer to my background than you know the American tradition um so yeah quite a few but different you really did your homework you, you you know you really did your research and I love that about you so you're so you're you're British but your heritage is Italian so you were brought up here yes so yeah. And do you ever do you ever go back to Italy? Do you have grandparents there? Oh, do they, no. do they sing? Does anybody, you know? Sadly, uh, not only do I not have grandparents, I, I have I don't have parents alive anymore. So, oh, my God, um, me too. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> so all, we're orphans. We're, we're orphans, orphans, basically. Yeah, the family is getting smaller and smaller. So, um, yes, but I did have um 
grandparents who on my father's side who were both professional musicians they weren't jazz musicians they were classical musicians both pianists and my grandmother also was a singer wow. um, and that I think obviously must have planted a big seed but absolutely was sort of a bit removed from my reality of growing up in London and not seeing them that often and because neither of my parents were musicians or you know technically artists um then I think it didn't it wasn't like the most obvious route for me to to go into music professionally well I'm glad you I'm glad you did because you are fabulous oh your voice is it's so pure and velvety and it's just I've been listen, listening to you a lot over the last few days and I'm pretty blown away by you. And you've done so great without management, may I can I add, without <laughs> a label, without anything. How did you do that? I mean, that is hard work. I couldn't do that. I'm lazy. <laughs> I could barely, barely do an email. <laughs> I think you know? you're doing pretty well if, you, if, that, if that's what lazy looks like. <laughs> Uh, I think, to be honest, it's the reality for probably 95% of jazz musicians. I think it's, mm-hmm. it, you know, we, we, we get sold a lie, really, yeah. that, that there aren't these managers out there helping the majority of, of grassroots artists. I just don't think whether there there isn't, aren't the people out there to do it, it's it probably just financial that, you know, yeah. realistically to sustain somebody else's uh, Finding career. someone good as well. You know, finding someone good, finding someone who really believes in what you're doing, and some, but but obviously they've also would have to make a living, and I think yeah. all of us do so much for free or yeah. for poor pay. It's it's difficult to then rope somebody else along into that. Yeah, that's so true. So yes, yeah, it's, it's not all been through uh, choice. I think everyone, every musician is looking for that person or people that will help make yeah. the path a little bit easier. <laughs> yeah, and there's jobs that you you just rail against and think you just don't want to do but I will say that if you do end up doing everything for yourself or even parts of your you know um, admin career or whatever let's say satellite career to actually making the music you learn a lot about how things work and yes I think you also learn what you can do quite well as well as you know having obviously you want to prioritize the music making but we shouldn't shy away from that because it's important to to recognize if we then do work with somebody whether they're the right person for us yeah and you know you hear all sorts of horror stories about artists who work with people from very young and and perhaps just don't know any better in fact i read an article an interview today with rita moreno talking about her you said very that first... so well you said that so well I'm oh. so <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my Spanish roots there. <laughs> but yeah, she was talking just about that, having, a, you know, a, a manager, I think, at the age of 19 who, you know, actually physically abused her and she knew no better. And she was in Hollywood by then. And I'm not saying that that's, you know, a common thing. I hope, gosh, I hope that's not. But in terms of just, you know, knowing that you can do things for yourself, it's empowering. I think it's important. Absolutely. I totally agree. It can be the best thing because you know your work better than anyone and you probably yeah. believe in it. You know, you've got, you have a connection to it. So it's no bad thing to have to, you know, do some of the No, it's a great work. thing. It's absolutely, you've blown me away. I'm, I'm so impressed by you. And I love that you were a waitress at Ronnie Scott's. I love <laughs> yes. that. That's the place to go. I mean, you know. 
you know, yeah. that's like, I'm going to be a waitress there. I'm going to learn. I'm going to do this. I'm going to watch. It's genius. So, I mean, you're getting so much praise and deservedly so, right? I mean, so much praise. You you recently in Jazzwise, um, top 20 albums, and you they've got you there with Alan Broadbent. I mean, that's it's, it's incredible. That was a, a, such a lovely surprise because that was for the album that Alan and I re- released just, um, well, about I six, know. seven months ago or so. It's fantastic. Um, and we, you know, it came out obviously off the, off the back of a, a lockdown year where it was perfect time to sort of finish off an album and uh, have something good to focus on. It's a, it's a duo album. It's all our original songs. Yeah. It's It's got a very much a mood album. It's, it's sort of, you know, gentle and... You don't know how these things, when you put them out in the world, what kind of impact they will have. And it's been really lovely to to know that it's touched a lot of people's hearts. Oh, it's, because... amaz- it's amazing. I literally have shivers all up and down my spine. It's just incredible. And how did you get to meet the brilliant Alan? Um, well, through a very good friend of mine, um, Andrew Kleinder, who's a bass player and... Um, I've actually went on to produce both the albums that Alan and I've made. Um, he just knew that I was a fan of Alan's and passed me his email address because he I had missed him. This was about 2012, I think. That's he had been to London to do some gigs and for some reason I'd completely missed, missed that. So he gave me his email address and I just messaged him and said, if, you know, if by chance <laughs> next time you're in London, you fancy doing some gigs with somebody you've never heard of then let me know and And he fell in love with your voice didn't he well he just was so approachable and amenable it was it was really lovely and then we so we did a couple of gigs together and then started writing together just in the year after 2013 14 and that kind of took us into a different realm really and has allowed you know a different a deeper kind of relationship and collaboration and you know I think we both feel that we found a kindred spirit and have managed to build something that neither of us expected to well I think that's just wonderful and it's on it's called uh quiet as the star yes and it's on um room spin records is that his label Oh, that's, that's my label. That's your label. You've got your own <laughs> yes. label. Oh, I love well, this. It's, it's got a logo, put it that way. But it's I don't got know. a logo. That's all you need. <laughs> that's you all you need. In, listen, that's all they ever need. They only just stick a logo on there, don't they? <laughs> Decca Records. It's just a bloody logo. But you know. Yeah. Once um, you've got a logo, you do feel like you're you're a real entity. I have to say. <laughs> I think it's excellent. I love that you've got your own label. I really. Well, that, that's also the way forward. You know, these big labels now. It's just. Yeah. You know, no, I mean, there's some record labels, they just can't sign artists to save their lives because artists are like, sorry, no, we're doing it ourselves. See you. I, th- I think that's definitely changed in the last 10 yeah. years or so, or, or maybe maybe a bit, it's taken a bit longer, but there used to be much more of a stigma about being, you know, a self-releasing artist. Yeah. And now when you see bigger um, names going, going to sm- very small sort of, you know, independent labels yeah. or even releasing on their own, you, you realise that, that things have turned and, and rightly so because, yeah. you know, we allowed this sort of monopoly of, of our art and our work and and you know when you put so much effort into making the music and and making the final product to then just give it away does seem absolutely i agree a with little you. crazy if you can 
do something more, you know, keep it more to yourself. Exactly. Bill Murray, he's sacked all his agents and managers and he just has an 0800 number. If you want me to <laughs> love win, that. That's better than a logo. <laughs> love that. It's just like, if you want me, you want to give me a job, give me a call. This is my wow. number. Got rid of everyone. Got, get rid of everyone. It's, it's right. I agree. Um, so let's talk about all your awards because you've got many. Now, how did all that come about? How did you, I mean, I'm not how did it all come about? I mean, again, deservedly so, but it's incredible. I mean, you keep getting vocal of the year after year after year after year. You're oh, not giving I... anybody else a chance, don't you? What's, <laughs> everyone, will, you'll be like the Meryl Streep of the jazz world. <laughs> Meryl Streep uh, says things like, oh, they're going to hate me again. I've got it. I've won the Oscar again. Oh, Colette, I think you're, you're, um, you're, you're <laughs> slightly thinking that I've won them all, whereas what happens is that I get nominated. I'm, I'm the jazz bridesmaid normally, and then I don't win. <laughs> and so yeah, then, then I think they feel they have to nominate me the next year. <laughs> You've won in my eyes, darling. You've won in my eyes. But you, you did. Did you win the parliamentary jazz award? Yes, I. Yeah. I no, I, I actually won two parliamentary jazz awards, like buses, oh. two oh. in a row. So uh, yeah. last year for best album, um, oh. which was Finding Home with my well, my other songwriting partner and collaborator Kate Williams. Yeah. Um, and this year for best vocalist, and I was nominated in the Jazz FM best vocalist category, but I didn't Amazing. win that one. So it doesn't matter. It you, doesn't you're up matter. There. It's fantastic. You don't need validation anyway you know it's just really really great and how did that come about how did you go okay I, I did you set out to get these awards or? no I've got absolutely no idea how it works somebody somebody's some, put you forward yes I think uh the parliamentary jazz awards uh, definitely are and the British jazz awards are all public nominated so you can nominate anybody and you put anybody forward and then I think usually they're all similar that there will be a panel that will put you into a short list and yeah. then they'll be decided, you know, who... But I'm going to put you forward win. myself next year as well. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. <laughs> I, I will do the same. So now you're doing masterclasses as well, which is fantastic. Yes. Tell me about that. How did that go? I really wanted to come, you know. Oh, bless. Oh. It, it was it was fantastic because I teach... Um, at City University, I'm a visiting voice teacher there. And wow. so this kind of happened mainly from last year when we were um, in lockdown and had to do the whole year, in fact, um, on Zoom. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so we started doing some, I kind of had the idea to do some sort of group sessions with my, they're all um, on a BMAS course, so they're all undergraduate students. Yeah. Um, because I really felt for them having such a, not having the personal connection with their peers that they normally would have done. Yeah. So we started doing kind of group performance uh, sessions where everyone would listen to each other and everyone would um, critique each other and give con really constructive feedback. Um, and it just elevated all of us. And when um, the fantastic women in jazz media, I'm sure we'll talk about more later. Oh, yeah, we love them. Yes, they've been just fantastic. And Aren't they are they fantastic, those women. They are. And we'll come to that in a minute, though. We You're will. Right. We on, definitely will. They they asked me to, if I would like to do a, a masterclass as part of their residency in London Jazz Festival. Um, and so I kind of thought I knew that that was a really good formula of how, you know, how important it is to listen to other vocalists when yeah. you're, you know, at any stage, not just obviously when you're beginning. Um, yeah. Because it's almost like an instant hit, I think, when you hear 
you know, a few people back to back, you you kind of immediately hone in on something that you really like, something maybe you would like to find in your own voice. Yeah. Or something you know isn't in your voice and you can just appreciate in someone else's. Yes. Yeah. Um, So we, I mean, that was so lucky because it it was just four, only four vocalists, so nice, small, intimate group. We had an audience um, and two things really happened that, made it as special as it was one was the four vocalists all were on a such a similar journey they even brought quite similar songs to present um wow. and they just felt it was almost as if we'd planned it you know but they wow. didn't they didn't know each other and i didn't know any of them i hadn't heard them but we just got a very group uh, vibe between them that was a real sort of sense oh, of lovely. camaraderie and you know just everyone wanting to really give some good feedback to each to everybody else and the other thing is we had um, an audience who also were just really part of the journey and uh, you know gave some comments and things at the end that just uh, just turned it wasn't it boo something. get off or anything like no. that <laughs> no it really wasn't they were they were so eloquent and you know so incisive it was really really special actually no but i think that's fabulous i've been i've been really listening to your voice and it really is beautiful Thank you. That um, really means a lot, honestly. No, but it really is. I mean, you must always hear this. Come on. Um, it's just so beautiful and pure and velvety. I can't. It, it's just, it's so, it's like silk. It's like, it's just beautiful. Thank you very much. It really is beautiful. Well, it was yeah. it was a really great experience. I definitely would like to do more of that because I've, yeah. I've learned so much from teaching. I mean, so much. It's been absolutely joyous. You know, I don't treat it as you know any any less important no. than than performing. It's 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 a really you know important part of learning your craft. I think I agree to, with you to, to teach someone else. Yeah, and it's it's just you get so so much pleasure out of yep. somebody getting something from it and yeah. learning and you so, learn from them because they've, absolutely. You know, they've got different skills to you and yeah no it's fantastic so you also you so you teach at the university and how did that come about that was through a very good friend of mine who's a fantastic um musician uh cellist called shirley smart yeah who's um she wasn't then but she is now the head of performance um and she's also you know prolific band leader and uh, composer Ooh, we must get her on here we must you must yeah you must yeah she's, she's formidable and it's a great name isn't it shirley smart shirley <laughs> smart oh my god what a great name yes yeah, so she put yeah. me forward um and it, it, that was yes this is my fourth year so that just it's kind of built up in in the last uh, year or so which was perfect timing obviously especially last year to have um absolutely that, focus of teaching and not just the void of no gigs <laughs> do you do a lot of prep for that as well or no, no actually because that's good. That's good. well maybe <laughs> maybe I should but what I find is um it's actually such a great way of flexing your improvisation muscles because yeah. you don't know what from week to week what your students are going to bring you that they want to work on yeah. um sometimes I think they haven't pre-planned it so and you don't know how how they'll be on that particular you yeah. know song or or performance so you really like having to adjust as you go along and think on your feet and 
kind of be prepared to you know have have something you can come up with something quite quickly you, yeah. you know i found if i've tried to graft something on it you know it could be useful in the in the sort of broader scheme of things if you know we're working kind of on technique and there are issues that you want to keep going back to and revisiting but if it comes to actually a piece of a, a song say then you do have to really be in the moment and and yeah. respond to exactly what's happening there and then in front of you and i found it that's actually it, it's a bit scary at first and it takes a bit of, of getting used to yeah but then you you know you realize you're on that's why i say i learn so much because you have to think analytically for yourself as well and think very quickly well, on, on your and feet. think on your feet yeah, yeah. so do you, does someone play the piano or do you have a little tinkle or did they no, you just do it all without sadly i, I that's the skill see yeah, you, there's a lot of time for, there's never enough time for everything and i wish i could i go back and have learned to play the piano properly but you have a built-in instrument i say that as well it's like i can play a little bit play a little bit of guitar harmonica but Fantastic. my my instrument is my vote my it's built in it's my yeah. vote voice yeah. and that's that's your that is your instrument it is it is it's built I mean... in now you can be taught to play the piano and the guitar and everything else can't really be taught how to you know you can learn skills as you know but this you can sing or you can't so oh brutal so, <laughs> yeah. up. cut that out as well mate <laughs> <laughs> shit i'm getting myself in trouble again but, but, but it's the truth it's the truth you know i mean you've got to remember i know a lot of vocalists will say oh you know i wish i could have played the piano i wish but you you've already got your built-in instrument that's it you are a musician it's there inside yeah. you and it's a gift it's very special and it's a power that's all you need to know yes that's true and i've been spoiled because i work with such amazing pianists and guitarists that, yeah. you know you just think why would i want to listen to myself sounding second grade when i can when i'm working with all these incredible musicians yeah and they feel the same when they're working with you it's like you know they're playing the piano and thinking wow this is you know they get a real kick out of working with a great great you know vocalist it's a partnership then isn't it which is yeah. how it should be you know yeah. but we're the boss remember <laughs> <laughs> We're the leaders. We're the well, boss. we're probably the ones sorting out the money and the food. And <laughs> <laughs> that's the important. They're the important things, aren't they? Exactly. How much? Exactly. And how much? What, where's, where's my dinner? <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Yes. Now, so we, we've talked a lot about vocalists, and we tend to talk. Well, we have talked quite a lot about vocalists on on the show, but we want to talk more about the amazing instrumentalist out there and the female instrumentalist and I, and I and I I I say female because this is a female driven podcast otherwise I would just say an amazing you know instrumentalist I, I wouldn't yes. want to have to point out it's a female um but because you know it's all really predominantly female that's why I'm just like explaining myself why I'm pointing that out but who do you feel Georgia that's someone on the scene today and there's many um, saxophonist, you know, trumpet player. Who, who, who do you feel, you know, who's really shining through? Well, I'm really drawn, I think, to people who work in a sort of multidisciplinary way. Yeah. Um, and so I, I realised when I was making some notes about who who I would want to to talk about, they were all people who were doing sort of, you know, more than one job, let's say. Um, so I. I 
I thought somebody who's really been making strides in the last few years, and that's not that many years because she's still young, is um, the saxophonist and composer Cassie Kenoshi. I'm sure yes. her name has come up <laughs> before. Yeah, fabulous. Um, and what I found really impressive is, particularly is that she's been doing um, commissions sort of for theatre, for the National Theatre and the Old Vic and the yeah. London Sinfonietta and you know, nominated for the Mercury and the Ivers and, you know, yeah. won awards. But I just found that really quite extraordinary that someone so young is already, you know, working not just as a performer, not just as, you know, leading ensembles, but also as a, as a composer. And do you feel that artists today shining through are like, you know, do they feel it's still a male-dominated scene? Do you feel it's still a male-dominated scene? Honestly, I think I can't say that I've experienced a lack of support from male artists. In fact, yeah. on the contrary, the people who helped me the most at the beginning of my career and kind of onwards were men, whether that's because there were more men than women, probably. Yeah. Yeah. But nonetheless, I, I have to say, I mentioned him before, Andrew Kleinder, fantastic bass bass basically become my producer he's produced several of my albums we must get um, on the show. yes you really should um gareth Lockcrane, amazing flautist who you know again has always been super encouraging um and then i see you know some really great people now who are just doing everything they can to elevate you know females in in this industry people like robert mitchell amazing pianist also you should definitely get on he does a, a, an amazing um series of interviews he's been doing through guildhall school oh, of music okay. Um, Corey Mwamba, um, Gordon Wedderburn, who's a, a, a DJ and um, has, a, has a radio slot. You know, I, I see that there's there's a lot of people who really get it and always have. Uh, Nick Lee at Jazz Views, Seb Scottney at um, Jazz in J L London Jazz. Um, they've all always been, you know, champions. And I, but I think what is great about the younger generation now is they seem to have far fewer, they, I think maybe they make fewer distinctions between people and they're just all in it together. Yeah. It feels a bit less like maybe the older generations got more stuck in what type of jazz it was. And, you know, I still see these arguments now and you know, whether it's really jazz and whether it isn't really jazz and yeah, da, 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 yeah. da, da. Um, So I feel, yeah, I just feel there seems to be more space, you know, whether you're male or female now, uh, whether you're black, whether you're brown, whether you're white, you know, whether you're gay, bi, there just seems to be less of an issue about, you know, being yourself. Yeah. And that's obviously a, a fantastic thing. And thank goodness it is. for that. I mean, I've never experienced any anything i've just always experienced only great things you know i never felt i never felt like i was being dominated by the guys i just feel like maybe because i'm a vocalist but i'm thinking maybe some of the instrumentalists did absolutely um, because you know it, yeah a lot of the you know club owners of a certain generation if they're gonna okay for example they're gonna get in an all-female band that will be, you know, that will be billed as an all-female band. Yes, yeah. You wouldn't do that with guys. No, absolutely. All-male band. You know, sometimes it's treated a little bit like a novelty. So 
yeah that's starting to change then and that's good that's what's needed to be done you're right well you say it's so important isn't it to to not just look at your own experience because mm. i've had arguments with other women about this who yeah. have you know said but i haven't had prejudice i haven't had, and i said neither have i particularly but there is definitely been in, you know incidents where i if i look back i think that wouldn't have been said to a man and that wouldn't yeah. have happened to a man but yeah. but also it's important isn't it to recognize just because you've had a good experience that another woman may may have had a very different experience and so we have to you know we have to take a 360 view of it and and not just be sort of blinkered into yeah how it yeah. how it was for us you know yeah yeah and just yeah. be aware where i think still much more work needs to happen is behind the scenes i still don't think there are enough female promoters there are not enough True. female writers um you know True. And, and i think that that still is can be it can be male dominated and i think that's and and even in the audiences as well you know because there's hardly any women promoters you're right no there, there aren't and i and i think well when i've sort of mainly done it is for for five years i, I ran i produced and and uh presented a an international voice festival called revoice and then amazing a sort of satellite event after that called hang for three for three seasons and at some point I, i'm sure there'll be a time and a place to pick them up again but um i really loved it because for me it felt like part of the same thing you know yeah. whether you're obviously it's wonderful to be on stage and doing the performing yourself but I found like the way you present another artist, particularly in the way you think about putting a program together is yeah. really artistic and is really creative. And it really helps to sort of set the scene for the audience. If, you know, if you, if you present something well and you can introduce an artist to, to an audience that may never have heard of them before, it's a really lovely thing to do. And yeah. it, it just feels like you're taking care of, again say a 360 view of of a, of a, of the art itself you're not just thinking about everything only happening from the moment the artist stands on stage and finishes the gig you know there's so much that happens before and afterwards and I, I did really enjoy it and yeah. I, I would definitely want to do more of it. I love that you've done that. That's really, that's really, that's brilliant that you've done that. You're just a woman of many talents and you, and also it's, it's good to be behind those scenes. It's good to know. And once again, it helps you yes. uh, work for yourself because you know all these things and you're not relying on somebody else to do everything because you're learning the tricks of the trade. And I think it just, it bridges the gap between artist and performer, uh, sorry, um, promoter and PR person and yeah. label, whatever it is. Yeah. And I think that that still needs to happen much, much more because yeah. people tend to think you're just an artist or let's face it, probably the artists are used to working in, in many different fields because they kind of have to. Yeah. Whereas maybe the promoter is just taking, not just, but is taking care of promotion and that's what they do. Yeah. And it's good to see what how it is on the other side, you know. Yeah. So I found I had a better understanding of what a promoter might need from me when I'd done it myself, you know, and, and some, some artists just never get involved in that side of things and then no, you're right. they're also quite blinkered and I think we all need to sort of dip in and out in a way yeah. as much as we can and just talk to each other more and have yeah. much more joined up 
uh, approach to the industry because it's a you know jazz particularly it's still a small niche uh you know industry it's it's yeah. never gonna be uh, you know this hugely popular thing again really no. not for the majority of people and i think sometimes we don't help each other enough whereas we could have a better sort of you know collaboration just amongst the different you know aspects of the industry itself and it would probably help and ultimately we're all trying to do the same thing get more mm. audiences in get younger audiences and keep them coming back so we do need to understand each other better. We do. I do. I do feel I, I. I do like to support. Well, mainly my female, sort of, you know, artist friends um, on social media and wherever I can. You mm. know, I, I like. To, I really like to do that. I like to push them and yeah. whatever I can do there because, like you say, again, it's small and we all need to kind of give each other that leg up and help and yeah you know which, which does bring us back nicely doesn't it to women in jazz media because yes i feel like let's what talk they've, about these let's girls. talk about them which is what they've done in a year them. it's just amazing they've isn't amazing it? they've done this in a year and we're going to get fifi to host an episode and little lester's going to host one as well fantastic and they're just lovely bunch of women and just you know you realize how much we needed them when you know in just in a small amount of time the work that they've done and you know the the way they've expanded the sort of discussion discussions about you know not just female artists but photographers and writers and you know behind the scenes sound yeah. technicians and everyone uh, has been really phenomenal i think just, just so just in a year and they've done so great and they won the parliamentary yep uh, media award uh, yeah they're just really lovely really lovely and thoughtful and supportive yeah you know and I, I just try and re re, you know reciprocate that um because they're great and they, like I said they're going to come on and do some hosting which is amazing I couldn't make any of the jazz festivals I'm really sorry um I'm sure they forget any me. of the gigs <laughs> I, I really wanted to come though but I just couldn't I was so busy that week I was really busy and I just couldn't get out. So I was a bit gutted, actually. Yeah, they, I went to a couple and I, they were great. They just, you know, and, and a really fantastic venue in Toulouse-Lautrec. Yeah. And, and Nolan Rejean, who who runs runs the place, has, has created a really special um, vibe there as well, I'd say. And I think that's a big part of it, isn't it? When you have a partner venue that is absolutely on, you know, on the same page of what you're trying to do. Absolutely. When is your next gig? Because I'm going to have to come got a couple more this month and then that's it for a while um yeah there's a place i don't know what it's like yet in on the south bank called spirit land right I that's a sunday lunch but i get the feeling maybe it's sort of half listening half i don't know i well, might be wrong you've just but... got to tell them to be quiet i won't have <laughs> anybody talking when i'm singing do you know that well i, I... stop and i say excuse me do you want the microphone <laughs> please feel free to get up here and sing that's what you've got to do. Just say, yeah. I don't allow it. I hate that. I think it's rude. If I know it's going to be like that, then I'm fine. If you don't, if you're expecting it to be a concert, then then it's not cool, yeah. obviously. Well, but... I wouldn't be talking, you know that. No, you would. You'd be, shh. All my eyes and ears would be totally on you. In the last few years, I don't know what I say in the last few years, quite a, quite a few years now, we really have seen jazz come back in a big way. 
Now, it's kind of contradicts what we've just been talking about a minute ago, but it's, it's certain scenes are bigger than others in, within the jazz world. Yes. Um, like there's been a huge research with, uh, with much younger audiences. You know, when I started doing the songbook years and years ago, I, I, I would say the, audi- the audience is, you know, not much younger than 45, you know, and yeah. then the, the, the audience had started to get younger. Now, who do you think sparked this whole new jazz wave? When did yes. you first notice it? And which artists, in your opinion, were at the forefront of making it really popular again? Well, I think, it, I mean, I hope I haven't left somebody crucial out here because it, it seemed to be a lot of the work that was coming from Jazz Refreshed and yeah. Jazz Warriors, I'd say. Yeah. Probably, yeah. probably they were the two that I kind of first you know really took notice of what was happening and you know that the, the kind of artists that were coming out of their yeah, definitely um, tomorrow's warriors umbrella. definitely yeah, yeah sorry tomorrow's yeah. warriors yeah. um uh, they those two and jazz refreshed as well because i really yes. loved how they built this you know from the from the smaller venues to then they did their festival um and it was very inclusive you know these sort of day events free so uh, they kind of really nurtured i think the brand let's say but not in a manufactured way it just felt very organic to me what they were doing and trying to sort of make the audience i think that accessibility to audiences and i think that's probably part of the of the problem maybe that we've had with jazz of this notion that it can only be in these nightclubs and you know after hours and to us and maybe the tickets aren't always that cheap and then you're expected to eat and it becomes quite an expensive night out if we're yeah. honest obviously yeah. there's the pub scene and everything else but i think they they those two um you know umbrella organizations had a different sort of approach and so i think i noticed probably early on ezra collective very yeah, early on because yeah because very bizarrely i was nominated in the same category as them at the urban <gasps> jazz awards which was so strange because i didn't feel very urban myself <laughs> but, um and then obviously nubaya garcia is the one who's probably broken you know the biggest most recently um and she's fantastic hokoroko yes seed ensemble the you know naria all of those and camilla george more recently love camilla love 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 yeah but actually i was thinking about this thinking that's obviously the the artists are coming from from the uk that we're sort of obviously aware of but i'm thinking that maybe also people who who really set uh, laid some seeds, is that the right word? Sowed yeah, some seeds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think Esperanza Spalding had a yeah, big, oh big impact because yeah, just did. to see a female, uh, you know, instrumentalist and vocalist. Yeah, you're right. Um, and uh, I think that made a massive difference to see to see a young woman uh, representing in that way was just had a huge impact and, so, and, and seemed to just be so fully formed already um and also i would say gregory porter because i think what happened with him as well which was just really unusual nora jones as well yes nora jones of course amy winehouse you know, yes, all... I don't think of them really as jazz artists, though. So I guess that's sort of pop kind jazz. of yeah, in a different. Well, this is it. Gregory Porter is, is, oh, is a bit under the umbrella of jazz. It's, it's like anything under the umbrella of rock or blues. Yeah, or, you know, um, pop. There's there's 
it's progression you know it's there's progressive jazz it's jazz is progressing all the time all the time but there's still room for the good old-fashioned bebop jazz you know it's just forming and progressing every yeah. day you know and um, I, I was going to say about Gregory Porter I was thinking that what was really special was that he was writing his own material and there were such high quality songs that yeah. it just felt like I think when you you said about you know starting off with the songbook great American songbook and yeah. me too that was definitely the route I came through for, for a long long time and came to writing much later than these these guys are all just writing so much earlier and yeah um and I think that that's maybe struck a chord with certainly with younger audiences this sense of telling your own story and representing your own um you know ethnic background and the influences yeah. you've had you know that they're sort of they're just so layered and it's not like you can just say i'm just listening to bebop and so that's all i'm going to play or yeah. just listen you know, it feels like you know especially people coming from big cities not just london but you know birmingham yeah. etc manchester there's so much going on there's such diversity that you of course if you're growing up you're going to have all those influences absolutely around you and and it, and it makes sense that that then then that that then works into your music and yeah so i think that's that's made a big difference that that people are now kind of artists much earlier on maybe than than our generation were where we were just yeah. finding our way to becoming artists and yeah. you know that sort of evolved into them maybe let's say whereas I think the the emphasis is different now and and I guess Definitely. people connect to it because they know it's it's an honest reflection of where you're at absolutely now. and jazz can be anything you want it to be you yeah know, that's that's the thing and that's you know if you we go back a hundred years ago how it's changed and it can be anything you want it to be and it's all about improvising it's about expressing it's about taking it wherever you want it you know when it wherever you want it to go yes and isn't you know? it surely about you know um having respect for a tradition yes. and knowing and understanding its its roots but also personalizing it so that it's your version of of you know yeah of jazz because I, I feel like sometimes there's a big disconnect with people who don't really understand why this new scene let's say is getting so much attention you're and, so right that's some that's really poignant what you just said actually yeah I think we we need to allow that that that's that that's really recognized that it's not a sort of either or because I think people are confusing the fact that this new uh, group of artists are getting press and getting attention and getting new audiences I think people are thinking well if they didn't get it then a different group would be but I don't think so I think it's that that group has struck a chord yeah and they've they've created a scene that wasn't there before that's right and that's and something we should learn own. from <laughs> absolutely but they've also created a sound of its own yes, it's progressed yes. it has yeah. progressed and, and they've created a sound but also you're right as far as the listeners and the listeners of that sound you know be good to know where that sound originated from and have the respect of you know where it originates from yeah as and, the and artists do you know yes and, and respect that that's their personal interpretation of what jazz Absolutely. is to them but yeah you know it's not that one is better than the other this isn't yeah. better or worse than bebop or you know free yeah. jazz or whatever it's yeah. just it should be authentic and, and isn't that what we're all striving for you know yeah. and, and 
I, I, I personally feel like I would love to have have been doing um, Revoice Festival when, you know, or been a bit more aware of what Jazz Refresh were doing when I was doing that because yeah. I would have learned more about maybe growing a brand and, and how to sort of take it in, in a, to a wider audience because it is difficult to, to do that. I mean, it's really difficult to do that. And I think we do get stuck in doing the same venues and, you know, the same venues accept a certain type of music and then maybe are resistant to other types and you know you're being authentic to yourself you're doing what you want to do and that's all that matters absolutely you know we shouldn't feel as artists that we have to go a certain way because there's a movement no of course you know I don't feel like oh I have to now go and learn or do something that um you know the new wavers say and doing because I have to has to be authentic to me I have, to, I have to be inspired by it I may not I shouldn't feel like oh I have to follow that no you know, absolutely you just do I totally what you agree. want you just do yeah. what you want to do and it's yes sim- simple as that and know. if it if it finds an audience which obviously you hope then fantastic but if it if it doesn't then maybe it's just it will later I think yeah you know you're right you have to go on the journey that you have to go on absolutely do take, your own thing yeah do your own thing now, do you have any funny gig stories to share with us, Georgia? <laughs> Actually, I have got quite a bizarre one. <laughs> um, I was thinking about how, yes, we're all used to um, multitasking and having to do more than just providing the music and, you know, being the artist, whatever. And I had a very odd experience once I was I can't remember who I was supporting but anyway I was playing the support at Ronnie Scott's and um, a gentleman passed me a note and sort of cornered me just as I was about to go on stage and said "Um, please could you do me a favor and I just Mm. I saw a a name on this piece of paper he passed me and I just assumed he was going to say could you sing happy birth could you do a birthday shout out or you know anniversary or something you know to his partner and no he actually asked me if I could from the stage of Ronnie Scott's (laughs) propose to his girlfriend on his behalf (laughs) a lazy bastard that's all I'm gonna say And so anyway, I think I, I was trying desperately looking at my set list to see if there was any, any kind of song that could link it into this very strange proposal. How I don't remember what, what I did. And anyway, so I, I did. I tried to make it sound as romantic as possible. She did say yes. Tell me well, she said yes. Just barely. <gasps> literally, she the first thing she said was, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and the whole audience gasped, like, what's going to happen here? And then nothing, nothing was said. It was just silent. And I think I then said, is that a yes? Oh, my God, that's hilarious. And And it sort of was, but, uh, well, I never got invited to the wedding or asked to play it. I was just going to say, you'd think afterwards they'd say, we'd love you to come perform at our wedding, you know? I, I have a horrible feeling he read misread the situation and and she uh, afterwards said that one didn't I, happen yeah mm. oh shit <laughs> but as you said moral of the story do it yourself <laughs> do it yourself do it yourself oh georgia it's been absolutely a 
absolute pleasure talking to oh, you. Oh, you too, Colette. Thank I can't you so much. Wait. I cannot wait to come and watch you. There is, um, I've got a, I'll, I'll email you because I've got, a, the closest to you would be, there's a little pub in, I think it's Kentish Town is the nearest. Yes. Um, oh. It's tiny, the Oxford. Do you know that place? Yes, we know the Oxford. We can. Oh, we're ah, okay. I'm there on the twentieth. It's a really tiny, tiny place. So um, you're there on the twentieth. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So oh, I'll the, come. A diff- different project, but you'll, I think you'll like it. As day turns to night, I watch the sky. I see the clouds go by. seem to tell us we too will pass we're only traveling from first to last and as they flow and tomorrow the wonderful Georgia Mancho and you heard the title track from her new album Quiet is the Star um, her duet album with the incredible Alan Broadbent and I'm really excited to see Georgia on the 20th of December at the Oxford in Kentish Town don't miss out it's unmissable and all links to Georgia's website and social media platforms are in the show notes we Now that's the show for this week. If you liked it, you know what to do. Please subscribe now on your favourite podcast app. And while you're there, what do you do? Yes, leave it a review. Leave a good review, a good one. Please remember to support the brilliant Nord of Robbins in any way you can. It all helps. Sisters in the Shadows was presented by me, Colette Cooper, and is a Pod People production. Thank you to the gorgeous Mikey Hansen and Jake Trappett, the other gorgeous one, for their brilliant production support. And more than anything, thanks for you guys for listening. Loads of love. Pod People.